On this program, we always ask the question, would the Nationals trade away Juan Soto yet again? Well, let's flip the script here. Would the Padres have traded for Juan Soto again, one year removed? We're going to get to that after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and they'll throw in a free yes Yeti style com- tumbler with every order. My name is Ryan Clary. I'm the host of the Locked On Nationals podcast where you get your team every single day, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We love it here. Later on in the program, we're going to discuss Ted Leonsis adding an investor into the monumental sports network that controls the Washington Capitals and as well as the Washington Wizards. As we know, Ted Leonsis is still in the hunt as for buying the Washington Nationals. And what has transpired over the last week or so with this Masson deal, I think it's worth a discussion because I found something really interesting that came into the fold just yesterday. I'm going to tell you about that. We're going to discuss it and what I think about it. But second segment, we're going to preview this Padres series as Mackenzie Gore and CJ Abrams return back to their former big league squad, the San Diego Padres. A little nice homecoming for them. We're going to discuss that series as both are set to take on their team this weekend. But we're going to start with this question. And this question doesn't really get thrown out there much often on the show and in the Washington, D.C. area. But I think it puts in a pretty good perspective on that Juan Soto trade. We talk about the trade. And as of right now, I think most, if not everyone in this area does agree with the trade. I think when you look back at it, you would make that trade again as far as Washington Nationals fans. But that's not the question here today. The question is, would the San Diego Padres make that trade yet again? Because let's review it here real quick. The Padres did get Josh Bell and as well as obviously Juan Soto in that return. What did they give up? They gave up James Wood, who is now a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Going to be a top five prospect here any day now. Robert Hassel, another really high-quality prospect in this national system. C.J. Abrams, a top-10 prospect in baseball at one point, starting shortstop for your Washington Nationals. Mackenzie Gore, left-handed starter, very good pitcher, very high upside. Yarlin Susanna, someone who doesn't get talked a lot about, but if you look at him down in Fredericksburg right now, he has a sub-3 ERA after his start last night. And then obviously in that trade was veteran right-handed slugger Luke Voigt, no longer a Washington National. That was just kind of a throw-in piece to add in for the back half of last year. But would the Padres make this trade again? My answer is enthusiastically no. And it's not because of Juan Soto's struggles. It's not because of the slow start that he's had. Because Juan Soto's numbers, listen, we know this about him. Seems like no one else does. Juan Soto is perfectly fine. Juan Soto is still one of the game's best hitters In baseball, it's not even close in my mind. But would they give up all these assets yet again? Would they give up a top 10 prospect, someone who could help them now? Would they give up a C.J. Abrams, someone who could be in the middle infield for them right now? Would they give up a Mackenzie Gore, a hefty 
lefty starting pitcher who has been very good in his second season in the majors. Would they give up a teenager who's six foot whatever and throws 102 miles per hour with Yarlin Susanna? My simple answer to that is heck no. The Padres would not do this trade yet again. Because as you see now, the Padres have struggled mightily this year. And at one point in time, they had a super strong farm system. That is why they were one of the few teams in Major League Baseball that could make the trade for Juan Soto. But this trade was always set up to begin that the Nationals would win this trade. Nothing like that happened as of last year's deadline. Nothing like that we have ever seen before has happened up until last deadline. And the Nationals had an astronomical asking price for Juan Soto, which was met by the Padres. Mike Rizzo wasn't going to walk away from this deal with a question mark is, are we going to win this trade? No. The goal in mind was to win that trade. And I think A.J. Preller saw that as well. If you were to really get down to the nooks and the crannies of this trade, you would ask yourself, is Juan Soto worth five big-time prospects in this trade? Well, for the asking price, yes, he is. But on the flip side of it, if you're just going by value to value here, the Nationals got a really good starting pitcher with Mackenzie Gore. The Nationals have a future shortstop with C.J. Abrams, who's still on the rise and is still developing. And you also have James Wood, who's on the heels of being a superstar at this moment. Robert Hassel, someone who struggled, but again, his ceiling is still relatively high and his floor is very high. This guy's a big league hitter. Jarlon Susanna, a 19-year-old down in low A Fredericksburg, who has been just incredible this season after a slow start. A sub-3 ERA. The number six prospect in this organization who will be bumped up real soon. The answer is no. Absolutely not. And if you ask these people who are tied into baseball, would they make this trade again? Just a year later, they're saying, no, we are not making that trade because of the value that the Nationals got in return. Prospects are very hit or miss. Let's blatantly say it so. James Wood, he is looking like a superstar, as he was promised. Yarlin Susanna, someone who does not get talked about enough, is looking like the part that the Nationals traded for back in that deal. Susanna is a huge part of this deal as well. And I want to talk about him just a little bit more because he was kind of the big swing and miss that the Nationals could have taken. But at this point, they seem to have connected and hit that ball over the fence. So not only do you have a starting shortstop in the big leagues with C.J. Abrams, not only do you have a very good top of the line starting pitcher with Mackenzie Gore, not only do you have James Wood and Robert Hassel, but you also got Yarlin Susanna, someone who's kind of your big lottery type of guy who could hit big, but could miss big. But the Padres would never make this trade again. And let me reiterate, it's not for the fact that Juan Soto has struggled over this portion of 2023. It's not to do with that, in my opinion. But it's the fact of what they gave out and what they gave up. Years of being bad, years of drafting and developing these guys who were high quality picks for this team. That is where they messed up. And you see it now when you have injuries, when you have Fernando Tatis, who is out for the first portion of the season, when you have simple injuries to your rotation, whatever it may be, 
that's where prospects can come in and help a winning squad right then and there. Now, A.J. Preller, the president of the Padres, he's a very well-thought-of GM. And if you look at their farm system now, it's really still not terrible. In fact, it's not terrible at all. It's a really good system. But if you were to give up all that talent just for one guy, in baseball, let me ask you this. How were the Nationals last year with Juan Soto? Did we do well? He was amazing. He was still a superstar self. But one guy can't win you those games. Now, this move that the Padres did make, it wasn't about that. It was about the fact that they were getting a difference maker over the next two and a half seasons, and he was going to be a big part of the future for the Padres. And by the way, their full intention is to re-sign him or extend him at some point. But that's not to say that the Nationals would do this trade again, or the Padres for that matter. Because the Nationals, if you were to ask Mike Rizzo today, would you make that trade again? He would say a 100% yes. 100%. But if you were to ask A.J. Preller, would you make this trade yet again? I think he says no. Now, he'll never say that publicly. He will never admit that. But when you give up all that value for just one guy, and then a half a season of Josh Bell, who, oh, by the way, stunk up the joint with them last year. They're not taking that deal. In fact, they shouldn't. They should never take that deal again. The Washington Nationals, they set a guideline there. This will never happen anytime soon. A team will never give up the prospects that they gave up in that deal. Because if you remember back at the 2016 deadline, when the New York Yankees shipped off Roldis Chapman to the Chicago Cubs for a big-time prospect with Glaber Torres, that trade is never going to happen yet again because they gave up so much with Glaber Torres at the time, who was a very high-valued prospect, a top-10 prospect in baseball. That trade ain't happening anytime soon, and it won't happen again. I think this Juan Soto trade will be looked upon as that Glaber Torres for a Roldis Chapman trade. Because what did a Roldis Chapman do right away? He went and signed right back with the New York Yankees after winning that 2016 World Series. Now, that's not to say Juan Soto is going to turn around and sign with the Washington Nationals. We got to spend some money at first. That's 100% a no question, no brainer that this team will have to do. But to say that you would give up all those assets after struggling mightily so far in this season and also in the second half of last season. You got Fernando Tatis back. You got your guys. You're relatively still healthy. But, man, you gave up a lot. And I don't think that value will translate well for the San Diego Padres. So, again, if A.J. Preller, if you were to ask him today, would you make that Juan Soto trade again? He would say, No, and it's not because of Juan Soto. It's because of the prospects that he gave up, which are now your future Washington Nationals. Nice little feel-good Friday there, because I think that angle is a really good one, and it really kind of puts it into perspective of what the Nationals got. But before we preview this San Diego Padres series, you have to know the Nationals do play the Padres tonight at 940 Eastern time. And again, it is a pretty relatively good Starting job, you could say it's Patrick Corbin versus Joe Musgrove. 
I kind of like that. 940 Eastern time. Catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. But before we get into previewing that big series tonight, we love West Coast baseball here. And you know what happens with West Coast baseball? I like to bet with my friends at FanDuel. And guys, let me tell you about that because baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Here's what I'm going to do tonight. It is a revenge game. CJ Abrams. I think CJ Abrams will get a home run tonight. I haven't checked the odds on that yet, but I guarantee you they're plus odds and they're very friendly over with my friends at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now we get back into it as we have to preview this big series coming up. And this deserves a full, full segment here as the Nationals get ready to get that West Coast swing in. Tonight, you have a pitching matchup in game one, again at 940 Eastern time of Patrick Corbin versus Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, again, another big swing by A.J. Preller, getting an extension over this past year. Joe Musgrove has pitched to a 4-2-2 ERA so far this season. But I really like this pitching matchup tonight for Patrick Corbin, and here's why. I think going up against Juan Soto will be a little bit interesting. Now, while you may be a little afraid, as some might be, as some probably should be going up against Juan Soto, that lefty-lefty matchup, Juan Soto doesn't really discriminate between right-handed pitchers and left-handed pitchers. He can hit them both. That's no question. But also, Patrick Corbin and his breaking pitches. I think this will be able to catch Juan Soto a little bit off guard. Now, being his teammate from 2019 all the way through midway point of last year, Juan Soto knows his weaknesses and he knows his strengths. But Patrick Corbin, he's kind of been a new Patrick Corbin over the last few starts, you could say. And really what he has done, it's been impressive stuff nonetheless. I think Patrick Corbin actually has a good chance at going into tonight's game. He's going to get down early. We know that usually happens with them. It's usually two to nothing by the second inning. But I think that's when he starts to settle in and go through five to six innings. And I think you'll see a very good version of Patrick Corbin tonight. Now, what scares me the most outside of Juan Soto? Fernando Tatis, that right-handed bat. That's a scary one. And Fernando Tatis has been on fire since getting back here from the IL. But with that said, Fernando Tatis isn't God's gift. He's not the Taj Mahal of Major League Baseball. You can still get him out. And as we've seen over this year, the Padres are a beatable team. It's not because of their offense, but it's because of their pitching and the lackluster of their pitching with guys like Joe Musgrove. In which the Nationals, while yes, it hasn't been a perfect month as far as offense goes, it hasn't been a beautiful stretch of power hitting and displays by this team, it hasn't been great, let's be honest. But when you go up against another struggling starting pitcher, the Nationals have no pressure tonight. The Padres got to win. 
This is a win-now team. This is a team that needs to show their fans what they have invested in, that they have spent well, that they have done all these things correctly. All the pressure is in their court. So going up against a Patrick Corbin type for them, Patrick Corbin's got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to prove. He's won a World Series. He's closed out of Game 7. He's done all the things that he's needed to do. Joe Musgrove, you got to beat the Washington Nationals, the not-so-talented Washington Nationals. So the pressure is in his court. But tomorrow's game, this is where it starts to get a little interesting for Nationals fans. Josiah Gray versus Michael Waka. Tomorrow night, 8.40 Eastern time. I love West Coast baseball. Sometimes I hate it, like the 9.40 start. I think that's a little bit late. But an 8.40 start, perfect for a Saturday night. Josiah Gray versus Michael Waka. Josiah Gray got rocked around in his last start against St. Louis. No doubt about it. Here's the good thing. Josiah Gray has been consistently very good this year. You have seen it. He hasn't had back-to-back bad starts this season. He really hasn't. So Josiah Gray, from what we have seen so far, the trend is he's going to have a bounce-back start tomorrow night against Michael Walker. But here's the thing. Michael Walker has had a very good year with the San Diego Padres, pitching to a tune of a 2-9 ERA. He's been one of their best pitchers, and it's kind of been a surprise, you could say, for Michael Waka. Remember the former St. Louis Cardinal who had a few dominant seasons and kind of fell off? Yes, that Michael Waka. That's probably the pitching matchup that we're all looking forward to, and as you should be. It's a Saturday night in San Diego. It's going to be a beautiful night there, I'm sure. That's the pitching matchup that we are looking for this weekend. As we talked about, Juan Soto. It's really big here. Juan Soto against Josiah Gray, the lefty-righty matchup. We know that Josiah Gray can give up the home run ball, and it can bite him in the butt sometimes. So when you have someone like Soto on your lineup, it's not an ideal matchup. Simple as that. But then you look deeper in this Padres lineup, and you ask yourself, well, what about the other guys who could potentially have some damage here? What about the other guys? You're right. It's very simple questions to ask. Can guys like uh, Ha Song Kim play a big part of this? Can Manny Machado take advantage of it for a renaissance season like a Gary Sanchez? Would he be able to take advantage of it? Because by the way, Gary Sanchez, you all know the name, former all-star catcher with the Yankees, got picked up by the Padres this year. And so far, he's kind of found his old stroke again. And he's found a way to be wildly successful for the Padres this season. But it's also not just that. It's a Nelson Cruz. How about a Nelson Cruz? Last year for the Nationals, did not do anything. The power was not there. He started off the season relatively hot for the Padres, but has since fallen off. But here's my biggest, my biggest grunt of this weekend is that we get to see Mackenzie Gore versus a pitcher that I dislike a lot. Seth Lugo, the former New York Mets, the former like 30th round pick by the New York Mets who came in against this team multiple and multiple and multiple times and found a way to shove it against us. I am not a Seth Lugo guy. You played for the New York Mets. I don't like you. I'm sorry. But Mackenzie Gore against Seth Lugo will be an interesting matchup yet again, because Mackenzie Gore, he's coming off a rough start. His ERA is back in the fours, or actually is in the fours for the first time this season. But here's the thing. 
Mackenzie Gore. I'm speaking this into existence. I have no stats. I got nothing for this because we still have to see it from Mackenzie Gore. But I get the deal that he is a big game pitcher. Sunday, day game, 110 Eastern, or not Eastern time, 110 on their coast, the West Coast, the worst coast against his old Padres team. We know Mackenzie Gore is a fighter out there. He loves to get intense, kind of like Max Scherzer back in the days. We saw Victor Robles and him getting a little scuffle the other day on the sideline. Mackenzie Gore, you watch out for that because I'm telling you, he is going to establish himself as a big game pitcher come this Sunday against Seth Lugo, who again, a 3.86 ERA this year, 4.10 Eastern time first pitch. You guys can catch the Nats play the Padres today at 9.40 Eastern time against the San Diego Padres. It's going to be a fun one. You've got Patrick Corbin versus Joe Musgrove for a little West Coast Friday night baseball and catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. We're going to talk about an interesting move that Ted Leones has had over the last 24 to 48 hours or so. I'm going to tell you what that really means for this team and for the Washington Nationals even more so because I think something could be going up here with Ted Leonsis and the Washington Nationals. I'll explain a little bit further after this. And now we set the bed here as I got to talk about Ted Leonsis and what he has done over the last 48 hours or so. Ted Leonsis, if you are not aware, the owner and operator of Monumental Sports, which owns the Washington Capitals, and as well as the Washington Wizards. But something interesting happened over the last few days or so. Cutter, the country, an investment group there, and I know a lot of people have opinions about Cutter and should they be involved with that. I'm just simply talking about the effects that this could have on the Washington Nationals. I could talk about that another day. I got thoughts. But Ted Leonsis has now a minority investor as far with the country, Cutter. Why? Why? Why at all of a sudden, you're now getting an extra cash flow, which by the way, Cutter, a very wealthy country, a very wealthy investment group, are now investing into the capitals and as well as the Wizards, which is controlled by Monumental Sports, Ted Leonsis. As we know from the Washington Post and as well as Talk Nats, they have reported time and time again, Ted Leonsis is still interested in buying the Nationals, or at least he was interested at a time. Very well known, very on the record. No one from Monumental Sports has really shot this down. But why would he have this minority investment in now, and especially just a few days after Masson, the Orioles, and the Nationals strike a deal? In my mind, this is a tinfoil hat theory, but I think it actually does play. I think this is a domino effect into having Ted Leonsis and Monumental Sports take over the Washington Nationals and eventually buy them outright. And I think that is is because of the dollar amount that these guys have. It's been well documented with the PGA and the Live Tour. Live Tour was taking over golf and they were just throwing money around like nothing. PGA and Live, they combined, they partnered. Now, I'm not saying that's why they did it. I'm not saying that's what will happen. But I think Ted Leonsis could be playing this game. 
I think Ted Leonsis could be in the running for now purchasing the Washington Nationals yet again from this move. It's an extra cash flow into the teams that he owns. It's an extra cash flow into the networks that he owns. And it could be a next step in the outright purchasing Masson from the Washington Nationals and then purchasing the Washington Nationals as a whole and putting them onto the Monumental Sports Network, which they now own. I don't think this is a mistake that we now, or that Ted Leonsis now has a minority investment from Cutter. I don't think it is. In fact, I know for a fact it isn't. Because this aligns perfectly for what he wants to do. He needs some extra cash flow to, one, buy Masson outright, and two, buy the Washington Nationals outright as well. No reports have been fluttered around with this. This is just pure speculation. Because I think it the timing of this is really interesting considering they just announced their new network with Monumental Sports. It's taking over NBC Sports Washington. And also, on the flip side of this, Masson and the Orioles and the Nationals just struck a deal for the money that they were owed from 2012 all the way through 2017 there. I don't think this is a mistake by Ted Leonsis. And I think this could be coming into fruition a little bit quicker than what we originally thought. And that this national sale could start moving along, especially after the Nationals and the Orioles reach this agreement in order to pay the Nationals what they were owed. So I would keep an eye on this moving forward and really see what this means for the Nationals, the Wizards, and as well as the Capitals. What type of investments will be in place from these minority investors? What type of cash flow will be coming into this team? How much will it affect these teams' spending? Will it affect the Capitals' payroll? Will it affect the Wizards' payroll? What will be going on? What sort of investments will be coming into this? Because you look at Capital One Arena, and you're like, uh, there's not really any upgrades that they need there. Do they need any extra cash for the Capitals? Not really. They've sold out every game for 20-plus years, it feels like. The Washington Wizards? They're just blowing it up right now. They're not going to be spending big on any NBA players. So what could this extra cash flow mean? That is the question that led me to believe that he could be planting a seed and this could be another domino into buying the Washington Nationals and as well as the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. That's just my tinfoil hat theory. And I'm sure people will start throwing this ball around because that's what it's starting to look like. But again, we'll just have to see. The Nationals do play the Padres tonight at 9.40 Eastern time. You can catch every pitch in the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. Side note here, you're going to want to catch Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. I don't know if you guys were able to listen to the radio or on the SiriusXM app. Whichever you are listening to, it is a treat to get to watch and listen. 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 Not watch. Listen to those two guys day in. And day out. So thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day on Monday. I'm going to break down this series as a whole. What happened? Did Juan Soto hurt us? Are we sad about Juan Soto again? We'll discuss it all and much, much more. Go Nats. Let's get some wins down in San Diego.